Thank you guys for sending those buckets around. Uh, one final thing about that event next Sunday night, we take the city event. Um, Carrie Wages and Andrew Smallwood are going to be heading up some child care for that, which is good news. You can bring your uh, kids, and it's going to be, was it up to kinder, up to third grade. So fourth grade and up, we want to actually come in. So, so fourth grade and up and youth, we're all going to be in here together because we think you're definitely ready in fourth grade to be able to know how to express your faith, you know. And so um, fourth, 56, youth, adults be here, toddlers and so forth over there. Carrie and Andrea could use a couple people to help. And so if you're, if you're interested in helping with child care, then you can see Carrie Wages. All right? Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Wages. Hey, guys. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. I have an exciting message for you guys today. Perfect for summer. Um, we've been titling our messages around here because we post them on the Internet now. The title of this message is Lose the Bowl. So we'll find out what that means in a minute. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll... Uh, We'll get into it. So Jesus, bless this time. Let us be hearers of your word and doers of your word. Guide me as I speak, Lord, and open our ears to hear from you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So lose the bowl. This is the, uh, the message that I put together to be kind of a primer for next week. We're talking about take the city. We're talking about sharing our faith learning how to share our faith, um, share Jesus with other people, share the gospel with other people. And this is a thing that's kind of intimidating to a lot of us. I'm not so good at it myself. There's times I've done good things and times I feel like I'm pretty bad at it. So I'm going next week. <laughs> how about you? I'm hoping that by the end of me talking, most of you will be wanting to come and sign up, especially for the training um, in the evening, which is not going to be the end-all, be-all of every, you know, this is a good start. I mean, you can't learn in three hours everything you probably need to know, but if you, don't, if you feel like you're bad at this and you don't come to that, I don't understand the, the logic unless you're out of town. If you are out of town, we'll probably record it and we'll probably make it available to you, but I don't promise that. So if you are in town, you should come. So anyway, I want to talk about this. Um, we're going to be using, we're going to be u- looking at a, a, a kind of a story Jesus tells, but it's really a metaphor, and a metaphor is taking an object and using it in place of something else so that we can see something, and in this case, see something about ourselves and about God and that kind of thing. So, um, in the Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world, implying, you know, the world is dark, full of sin and death, needing a Savior. He's implying, I am that Savior, the light of the world. And then later... As we're going to look at, he's talking to followers of him, people who have now put their faith in him, i.e. us, and he says, you are the light of the world, which is kind of an interesting change of uh, focus there. And what it's meaning is that once we believe and know the good news of Jesus, it's like a light comes on in a dark place, and now we can see uh, around us and, in fact, 
share that light to illuminate others and bring salvation to as many as possible. This is the metaphor we're going to be working with, the light of the world. And so we're looking first at a story um, or just a piece of what's called the Beatitudes. And Matthew five fourteen through 16 is where we're going to be at, where Jesus is saying this. He's sitting down and preaching to lots of people um, that have come to hear from him, people that believe in him, his followers, the disciples, plus a lot of other folks. All right? And he says this in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its, on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. We could stop there, but we'll say that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So, so he's saying a lamp. And um, I, have, I have this table up here because I have an, an illustration to illustrate what we've just read. But um, go ahead. Just Can you all switch off all the lights that are in here? This isn't going to really work because we have all these nice windows where you can see. Did you see our brand new fountain out there, guys? Dominic and some guys. Yeah, we had some help putting that in. So don't look at our beautiful fountain right now, but pretend like this is a super dark room, um, and then you'll understand even better what I'm talking about. And now that we've turned off the lights, I'll show you the, <laughs> the object I brought. But uh, this is a little clay lamp, similar to what would have been uh, Jesus would have been referring to. You know, you say lamp, yeah, it's a light source and all this kind of thing, but specifically something kind of like this. It's a clay uh, lamp, has a little basin you can put oil in, and a wick that goes out to the side, and um, that's what he's talking about. Typically, uh, when he says, like, give light to the whole house, a lot of the houses in this area were just one room, and so you could light one of these things, put it up, and have light to see uh, what you were doing at night. You know, there's no electricity and that sort of thing. So we're going to leave the lights out while I go through all of this, um, just for the illustration purposes. But... When you, when you're, when, as we're thinking today and understanding, you need to be seeing yourself as a lamp here, okay? So, basic human is a lamp in this metaphor. And, um, and if you know Jesus, if you put your faith in Jesus, you become a lamp that's lit, like I'm lighting this one now. If you don't know Jesus, um, you're just a lamp. And don't take that as an insult, because without Jesus, we're all just a lamp. I might all just be a lamp right now if I can't get this to light. It's going to work. But the point is, you're just a lamp. Without, without Jesus, you're just a lamp. With Jesus, you're a lit lamp, so you can actually do something. Let me let it get going here. Come on. Oh. Too much air conditioning today. You put your hands around. Yeah, she's going to light that while I talk because I can't move on until it's really lit anyway. But yeah, don't get offended by that. If you're just, we're all the same base material. You follow what I'm talking about? So Jesus being the fire part coming in and lighting our, our heart, and it's going to go. All right, good. So now once you know Jesus, which I'm going to uh, assume the vast majority of us that attend a church on a regular basis, at least consider ourselves to be this, not just an unlit lamp, right? Like, you're a lit lamp. Like, are you a Christian? If you answer yes to that, this is how you should see yourself, all right? Now, you're a lamp that can provide 
light to a whole house, according to what Jesus just said. But he says, no one lights a lamp, because if it's dark, if it were darker, completely dark in here would be even more obvious. You light this, now you can see, and you're like, okay. And then you cover it with the bowl, which I'm not going to do right now, because it might take a long time to get this to light again. Um, It would serve absolutely no purpose. But he's implying that a lot of us live exactly like that. And I think in the day of Facebook, in the day of all these kinds of things, a lot of us tend to live very much like that. You know, even if we're posting Bible verses all the time, but you can figure that out for yourself. So, um, what is this bowl in this metaphor? I think it's whatever is preventing us from shining, um, sharing our faith and shining our, our light into the world. The light that Jesus has put within us, we're hiding that from other people. And we're making ourselves not useful in any sort of way. You cover this, um, no light comes out of it. You know, there's no light coming out, and there's no point to even lighting it at that point. You serve no purpose if you're just a, a lit lamp covered in a bowl. So what is this? This is anything that's stopping us from shining and sharing our faith or sharing our light with anyone else. In whatever context, I mean, everything from, you have to hear this very broadly, everything from standing on the street with a megaphone kind of preaching down to just like, I don't want to bring this up with my mom because it's awkward sort of stuff, okay? And God will speak to our hearts what that even is but i was talking pastor jeff had given us he's referred to this a couple weeks ago that there are three main reasons that we as christians and maybe as we as christians in america specifically don't tend to share our faith and i made a slide for them just so you can see them and really think about each of them why don't we share our faith one the first reason a sense of inadequacy two fear of rejection and three a lack of urgency these um um are the three driving reasons that, that are our bowl. So you probably have a bowl in the form of one of these things or a mixture of all of them, depending on who you're talking about or who you're talking with and who you're hanging out with and that kind of thing. And so our objective is today, lose the bowl. All right. So I'm going to walk through what I think are some solutions to these and then uh, only to prime, like I say prime, like you know when you have a pump that's dry, it won't suck the water through, but if you put water in there, you prime it, it can suck water. That, think that I'm just sitting here like John the Baptist or the primer. I'm getting you guys ready for next week when this guy's coming in who's actually an expert talking about these sorts of things. So first we're going to go through a sense of inadequacy. You can just leave those up um, and you know let God speak to you as I'm talking. So first off, if you feel... Like when there's that moment when you know God is speaking to you. When I say speaking to you, it's just all of a sudden a thought pops in your head you're not necessarily thinking. Oftentimes that's God. And especially when it's something like, you should pray for that person. That very much tends to be God. Okay? You know, if he's like, hey, you should beat that person up, that probably isn't God. You follow what I'm saying? You can learn to tell the difference through prayer and reading the Bible and things of that kind. But... You'll, you know what I'm talking about, so I don't want to waste too much time. But you know, it's like, ah, I probably should tell this person what I know. The gospel, the good news, this is good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. I should tell them. I know that. I'm not going to do it. Because what if I do it wrong or what if I don't know? What to do? This is the sense of inadequacy, all right? You don't know enough about the Bible. What if I talk about God wrong? What if I don't, you know? But keep in mind, you're this, Okay? So everything I'm going to say is responding to and interacting with you and myself, but right now you, 
as this here, a lit lamp, not an out lamp, a lit lamp. You feel inadequate, inadequate to share this light, okay? So, first off, I want to just say this one's just wrong, okay? If you are a lit lamp, you are adequate. Now, if you think, well, there's other lights that are far brighter than this, okay. You know, some people are way better at sharing the gospel than me. That's true, probably for most of us in here, you know what I mean? We're not all Billy Graham or whatever. You get what I'm saying? But that's not what the metaphor is talking about. When I'm saying Jesus says a lamp, he's meaning this. How bright is this? Not that bright. But it's bright enough to see. You get what I'm saying? So first off, I just want to say that like what you're saying by inadequacy is like this lamp produces no light. That's just not true. The answer is, it only doesn't produce lights if you put it under a bowl of feeling inadequate. So, first off, this is just wrong. Oh, don't want to spread the fire. But the second thing is, when we talk about, like, not only shining light into dark places, but also spreading the fire, if you will, how many of y'all think I could walk back into this? Now, remember, I was a Boy Scout, so I have some advantages. I could definitely take this amount of fire and walk back into this woods and set the whole thing on fire. See what I'm saying? No, stop. No, we're not going to do that. But the point is, that's all you need to get this thing going, depending on the air conditioning, apparently. But you get the point that I'm saying that uh, a little goes a long way. Not only is this enough light to see in a house, it's enough fire to burn a whole city down. You know, y'all remember the Chicago fire was started by a lamp that was knocked over. Or y'all don't even know what I'm talking about, because that was kind of a weird, nerdy reference that... Sandy got it, guys. Yeah. Chicago Fire. All right. So, I don't know. Does anyone know what year the Chicago Fire is? All right. I'm going to stop talking about that. Okay. But here's, a, here's another thing that I think about this. Uh, that when Jesus is making an illustration, Jesus being God, if you've missed that part, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Here, none. And... Uh, He's thinking of a small amount of light and saying, you're a small amount of light, um, so be a small amount of light. And that's kind of, in a way, maybe all he's expecting of us. Enough light to light up a home. You can hear in that as a parent what I'm implying with that. Give light to the whole house. But you might go, yeah, but man, you don't know the school I go to or how, where the place I work. It's a pretty dark place. Now, if you have missed from this metaphor and illustration, if you're in a light place, even though like we've turned out all our lights, it's still kind of bright in here, this amount of light is not tremendous. But if this was a dark room and I lit this, it would be far more stark. So frankly, the way it works is the darker a place you are, the less light is required to do anything. Like I light this lamp, which is a pretty sizable flame. In this room, you can see it on the close objects to it. But this, the window's overshadowed. But if you went into a, a cave and lit a single match, you, that match alone would give you enough light to see to like get out. So, you know, so the darker of a place you are in your life, the people around you and that kind of thing, the less it takes to light up the place. So sense of inadequacy, one, just completely wrong, and two, it doesn't take that much. 
Okay? And then the third one is this. If after all of that we go, yeah, but I still feel inadequate, the, my solution <laughs> that I wrote is called get adequate, which is just try at all. You know what I mean? Like we, there's a lot of material out there, but we can learn about sharing our faith with people. Um, go to the Take the City conference next week would be the first one that we should all do to get adequate. But uh, beyond that, even um, there's plenty of, I mean, come on, guys, Google it. You know, there's lots out there. So number two, fear of rejection. This one is, uh, I've termed it not false, but instead true but limited. Okay? There are going to be people in our lives that will reject us because of our faith, okay? But when I say but limited is because I think that from some research and some prayer and thought, I think that most of the people that we're concerned about feeling that way or most of the scenarios maybe we imagine of how that will work out aren't exactly true, okay? There are absolutely real situations in this world where faith in Jesus will cause the rejection of other people around you, and it, it's absolutely true, okay? And in some cultures and some families, it's quite severe and quite significant, and so I don't downplay that at all. But I think that um, the kind of thing that usually probably stops us in our culture is like, uh, I don't think it's get awkward with my neighbor, uh, you know, like that kind of stuff. That, I think, is almost completely untrue, so I say limited, Okay, and I found some statistics. I'm going to read this. This was from a study um, that I think, I didn't write the source. I think Lifeway did this, um, the now non-existent bookstore, I guess. But they were existent in 2016. That's when they did this study. It was a big study, I guess, about evangelism. Because they were thinking that, you know, with the rise of the differences in the way people are thinking now, social media, millennials, and beyond, and uh, you know, is it okay to share our faith anymore? Do people get offended more often? This kind of thing. And so they did a study, and this is the quote I got. It said, most of the unchurched in America, most unchurched people in America, and it says 79% said that if a friend of mine really values their faith, I don't mind them talking about it. Now, is that what you guys thought? I didn't really think that, you know. 80% of people that we encounter, if your faith means anything to you, they don't mind you talking about it, statistically. 80%. So first off, that's extremely limited. Now we're only down to 20% of people being offended just by you talking about it. And then it says almost half said they would interact freely if the topic came up. So more than half, like about, it says 47%. So more than half of that 80% um, would actually interact with that conversation. Like they're not just going to go, oh, that's good for you. Your truth is your truth or something like that. Like, they'll interact with it. So I think that this is something the enemy, and when I say enemy, I'm, you know, meaning the devil or the enemy of our Lord that doesn't want the good news shared, I believe is ringing in our ears, at least for me probably, mostly this one, but, uh, you know, in this way that like, ah, you don't want to go there. It's just going to get awkward. And then the statistics are proving that that's just not really true. Like, people generally kind of are interested, if you're for real about it. Okay? Now, if you just want to beat them over the head with it, I, I don't want to talk to you about that. You see what I'm saying? Like, and I, and I know there may be a fine line there, and you may accidentally beat some people over heads and stuff. It's okay. I mean, it's not like we need to beat ourselves up about beating other people up. But the point is, um, 
being motivated by love is really important with this. Like, if you are excited about something, it's easy to share about it. And people are easy to go, man, even if they're like, right now, that's not for me, but that's pretty cool, or something like that, you know? It's kind of like if you think about, like, sharing a sandwich with somebody. You're like, this is the best sandwich in the entire world, and they want to give you some of it. People will be like, how dare you give me your awesome sandwich, you know? They may say, like, I don't eat that right now or something. You know, there's, people can respond however they want. But the idea of them being offended that, you know, we, just because we offer to share them the best sandwich in the world is kind of is kind of crazy. Now, at the same time, if you're like, this is the best sandwich in the world. You better eat it. You, you know, like, they might react negatively. But that's more on you than it is on, you know. So think about it, you know. But this is why we get adequate and we learn ways to talk about this. But at least... Um, uh, we need to realize that this isn't as taboo in our culture as we probably think it is um, in the black and white thinking we have about, right, you, know, these, you know, all that kind of thing. So solution one I put down, this is just realize that this is probably a pretty limited risk in our lives, especially with people we don't know and neighbors and coworkers and those kinds of people that we would want to share things with. And then um, the second thing I wanted to talk about is uh, when it comes to this rejection thing is that Probably of all of these other uh, reasons, this one, uh, this struck me as a solution here. You could actually use it on all of them, I guess is what I'm saying, but it's, it fits best here for me, I think. And it's this, solution number two, it's going to come up. So like we, we're tended to be like, ah, you know, when I go to work, I don't really want to, you know, I'll just be a bull person there because it's awkward and maybe it's against company policy. Well, I can have an excuse. I don't want to do that. And so they look at you and they see, oh, there's just a bowl person or a, you know, an unlit lamp the way of the West, whatever, all that kind of thing. Um, what I'm saying to you is that at some point, something's going to happen where they're going to go, wait a second, you're a lit lamp and you didn't say anything about that. And it can happen through, I mean, because here's the deal. As Christian people, as people who follow Jesus... Like I said, we're the same base material. You're just a lamp like everybody else. You're not any better than anybody else. None of us are any better than anybody else. But what God does by adding this, all of a sudden, wow, now you have a purpose. Now you have a th- So you're living by an ethic. You're living by a, an understanding. You're living through all of these things that, that lots of people, they don't have, okay? So your life's not going to be exactly the same. Are you still a lamp? Yes. Are you still made of clay and all these? Yes, all of these things are still exactly the same. So, yes, you still like food. Yes, you still go see movies or whatever you're doing. You know, we're in the world, but we're living by a different methodology, a different value system. We're following Jesus and living his values. And we're getting this information from God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, things like not a rule book, but you get what I'm saying. You know, you're not just making this stuff up because, well, that feels right to me, so that must be right. That's how everybody does it. That's not how we do it. And so you're like, well, I'm not, when they say to you, hey, we're going to all lie about this at work because it'd be beneficial to us, and it doesn't really hurt anybody. It just gives us more money, so we're all going to lie about it, but you have to lie with us. And you're like, oh, man. That's when you're, that's when you're sitting there like, I'm all good. I'm all good. And we're like, hey, we're all going to lie on this thing. And you're like, ah. And then you're like, do I completely, do I just, you know, then you've got a choice to make. So my point is it's going to come up. And I can prove this via another text where Jesus is using the same image again. 
So it helps to keep things uh, straight. So look, Luke eight sixteen and 17. You know, these kinds of... When you preached a lot back then, they didn't have recordings. So even Jesus would use stuff more than once, okay? And it's not just, well, this is the same telling in a different gospel. There's a couple more of these that we're just not going to go into right now. But he says this, No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all, seen by all, (laughs) who enter the house. And this is the part that I want you to see. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Okay, so I will say even this, that there are going to be times in our lives that if you're tempted, as we might be, to be a bold person, God himself will make awkward situations like that happen to force you to make a choice. It's for our own good and all this kind of thing. But at the time, it will not feel that way, okay? Some people find this easier than others. It'll depend. I mean, it could cost you a career. I don't know. Or, I mean, I'm focusing on job stuff. I don't know why. But it's going to come up. This is the point. So the solution here is kind of knowing that we can stay on the front edge of it and maybe control it better, I think. If, in fact, solution one, realizing this is a limited risk and it's not going to offend everybody as much, if we're more open and talking about it, then the story would go, man, if we all lied about this thing, we would all get more money, but such and such is never going to do that. You see what I'm saying? It's different than, you shouldn't have a problem with this because you're just, you know, you get what I'm saying. So we're going to move on. Problem three, lack of urgency. This one I'm just going to illustrate by reading um, another parable that Jesus shares, okay? And it's pretty chilling, and it involves lamps. So... It fits with what we're talking about. Normally I would have Andy come up here and read it, but I'm going to do it myself by the lamplight. So just listen to this. This is Jesus talking, all right, guys? And it goes like this. Then the ki- he says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish did not take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the five who were wise took enough, wait, the five who were wise enough, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, at midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All of the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. That's Jesus, okay guys? Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. So that's kind of a whole other message about 
our readiness in Christ and all this kind of thing, and we've talked about that before, and we'll talk about it again. But when we're only talking about a lack of urgency, here in that, this is urgent. Jesus is returning, and the door is going to be locked, and this, is a, this has an urgency to it, and it matters. And I don't know anything else to say about it than that. This is an urgent thing, and it matters. And if, if someone's just a lamp and they're not lit when the bridegroom comes, that's it. And so the smallest thing can have such a great impact. We've all read stories or heard stories of, you know, it's not like just a butterfly effect, but... Um, when God is involved, the smallest little things can have such great impact down the road. I mean, I didn't prepare by getting any of these together, but I can think of several stories of, you know, this one kind gesture or this one person coming around sharing their faith with people that then led to this, that then led to this, and then that was, this was, the next Billy Graham kind of person, you know, it wasn't Billy Graham, but it was a person like that, you know, and uh, so what I'm saying is we don't know um, the outcome of everything we're going to do. And like Jeff said, there's a, a couple of weeks ago, there's a term some people made called the angle scale, scale about like people fully rejecting God all the way to like fully following God. And there's like a lot of like stratifications in between, like interested, starting to, you know, like, and so just sometimes the way we talk about God can move a person one notch closer to going, you know, I've thought Christians and people that follow Jesus were just judgmental jerks, but that didn't sound judgmental. Maybe I should look again. And that starts a whole, you don't know. You see what I'm saying? And the thing also is this, that God has raised all of us up to be doing this in our own small little way. Okay? Every single one of us. And in the book of Esther, when Esther realizes her role of like saving this entire, um, the Jewish people who are about to be wiped out, she sends word to her, to Mordecai about, uh, and he sends back this response that's, uh, I think, helpful to remember at times like this because you can get kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, first off, I didn't have any urgency, and now like, I'm like freaked out. You know, he says to her, he's like, you know, you're raised up for this time. Like, this is your thing, you know. He's like, but don't limit God. Like, if you don't do it, God will just, he'll find another way. You know what I mean? So I don't want us to get too, like, you know, if you're prone to anxiety or something like that, don't go from no urgency to, like, freaking out that, like, it all depends on you. It's, it's still God doing the lighting. You're just a lamp. Your whole job is to be a lamp, lit. He's the lighter guy, okay? So, so what about the lamp? Now we're, gonna, we're just going to look at this. This is where my illustration really comes in. The temptation we're discussing is to put, um, to cover ourselves like this, to serve no light. But I, I want to show you something else that happens. This is, uh, I was going to do this with the ceramic bowl, but I actually want you to watch this. Whoever's bowl this is, I found this on the back counter. Sorry, you can have it back when I'm done. But I want you to watch this. Because what did I say? In this story, you're just a lamp. 
once you follow and believe in Jesus, you become a lit lamp. And then if you become a bold Christian person, this is what I think happens to you. After a while, this is why I want you to see this. The more you cover it, that's what you become. So some of us have been living what we think, but now let's do it this way. This is the real situation you'd find yourself in. You've been like this for so long, you think you're still burning in there. And what's in fact happened is you're not even a believer anymore. That's how serious I think this is. Because... um, That's just what happens. You just watched it. And so what do we need to do? We need to take the bowl off. Okay? That's the first thing. You need to identify it. You need to take the bowl off. We need to pray, repent before the Lord. Maybe need Karen's help. Nope, I think I got it. Okay. You need to get lit again. Okay? And it might start small, even just like that. We need to get lit again. <laughs> I saw you laughing over there. You're getting lit? Okay. Where's Jason when I need him? All right. And then you need to take this bowl, and you need to use it for proper things, like holding food or water or whatever. But if you know what this bowl is, this is what I'm going to say to you today, right now. If you're pretty sure you know what this is, if God has drawn your attention, like, this is, this is your bowl, it may not be something bad. Like, a bowl is not bad. You see what I'm saying? A bowl has a purpose. It ain't that, okay? But a bowl has a purpose. And it may be Facebook or your social status, however you get that, money. I don't know. It doesn't matter. If you know what this bowl is, For a period of time, you may need to do this and just not have one. That got a lot bigger than I thought it would. But you get the point. You need to not allow yourself to have a bowl for a period of time. Most people won't notice. (laughs) But we need to be bold enough to make bold decisions in light of this situation. (laughs) Bold decisions? All right, guys, come on up here. We need to sing this song. We're going to sing a song um, to close this out. Everybody needs to be careful. There's broken glass up here, and if you didn't notice that. Um, but I, I, it's, we're kind of, yeah, we, this is a serious thing. We need to understand the bowls in our lives and for periods of time smash them and not even allow ourselves access to them until God can really get this going in our lives. You guys come over here. So I want to sing a song. And this is the song that we have to sing, I think. I want you all to stand up, and you're going to sing this with me. Um, and this is a declaration before the Lord. And I was reluctant to sing this, because often this is one of those songs we think of. And it's like, oh, that's a cheesy little song the kids sing, blah, 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 you know. And frankly, I think that's kind of, well, it is true, so whatever. But it's also kind of offensive and silly, because I don't know if you remember a couple months ago, we were singing Kumbaya around here. 
And it was, it was important that we understand that. And this is a song that was written by slave people just a couple hundred miles up the coast from us, sung in a language, it's a combination of English and West African languages that turned into sort of a Creole or whatever, as a, a hybrid language. And they're saying, come by here. And it's a prayer like by desperate people, you know, come by here. And somehow it turns into like this cheesy guitar around a fireplace or whatever, you know, it's like, Gosh, that just isn't it at all. And uh, in the same sort of way, this other song that has a similar origin um, has become a silly song that we don't we don't sing anymore, or we only sing in like this is for children. This isn't for children. This is for believers, and we're going to sing the song "This Little Light of Mine," and that's what we're going to be thinking about. God's not calling you to be necessarily, I'll add necessarily, because some of you may in fact be Billy Graham or whoever it is, not calling you to be necessarily that. He's calling you to be a little light. Okay? And I want you to sing this with me in mind, in being mindful of all of this. And I'm going to pray. If you want to come up here and pray, go ahead. I mean, it's totally fine. We, we always end our service and allow people to have a time to respond. Coming to the altar to lay maybe your bowl or a piece of your bowl before the Lord. Be careful if you do come up here. But otherwise, I want you to sing this, and I want you to sing it as a declaration before God um, with all the seriousness that a song like this should have. And I just pray that we'll just delete all the junk that we've added to it. So, Father, I pray that you would, within us, ignite the flame of your spirit, that we would be bold declarers of your word and winsome and loving, motivated by your love, as we go out into the world, wherever we go, even if it's just to one other person or however it is, Lord, and I pray that you would fill us with your oil and let us burn brightly before others so that they would give you glory. As your words says, I pray that you would guide us and fill our hearts as we sing this song. Now y'all sing with me. Oh, this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine, oh, this little light of mine, sing. I'm going to let it shine, oh, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, sing. This little light, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, oh, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, oh, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Sing all around the world, all around the world. I'm gonna let it shine, yeah, all around the world. I'm gonna let it shine. I'm gonna let it shine, oh, I've got the light of Jesus, I'm gonna let it shine, oh, I've got the light of Jesus, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, this little light, this little light of mine.
gonna let it shine Oh, this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine, let it shine Let it shine Sing everywhere I go Everywhere I go time sing this little light and this little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine oh this little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine oh this little light of mine i'm gonna let it shine let it shine let it shine let it shine Amen, amen. That's not bad. So uh, that's a message you won't forget, right? Uh, it, for, for a lot of reasons. You know, the, the truth that resonates within it, the illustrations that are made, the stark uh, uh, the significance of the end is probably what I think needs to stay with you. You know, that there is, each and every one of us have the tendency to take that light, that lit lamp that we are in Christ into in some way, shape, or form, hide it. I don't even think we mean to. I just think it happens. And step one is to smash the bowl. There's an old story about uh, that the devil assembled demons around and said we need to come up with a strategy to destroy the gospel and said ideas, and one said, hey, let's just tell them there is no God. And they all basically laughed and said, that's ridiculous. Everybody, there's far too much evidence. The second said, hey, let's, let's tell them there's no hell and no punishment. And again, they responded and said, ridiculous. Even their conscience speaks out to them. There's far too much evidence that this is the case. And then the third said, I've got an idea. Let's tell them there is a God and that he's real and that there is a hell and that that's real. But let's just tell them there's no hurry. And all of them knew that this was a strategy that would work. And so the, the, the action point for you today as you leave is simply this. This is it. You just have to go out of this place and promise that you'll ask the Lord, that preacher today, could he have been talking to me? That's all I want you to ask the Lord. Could he have been, Lord, through that preacher, could you have been talking to me today? Because you, the enemy will convince you by the time you get to your car that was a good word for someone else. So you can just even wink your eyes or nod your head and let me know. Will you at least commit that you'll ask the Lord, was, were you talking to me? And so as we go out, Lord, we pray that you would bring us to the point of surrender that even as lit lamps, Lord, we recognize that we have to lay our lives at the altar like living sacrifices 
We have to be willing to surrender the, that false notion that we're called to be undercover FBI, CIA agent Christians who are doing secret work for you that no one will ever know about. Lord, bring us out in the open. Let us shine. We pray, Lord, that you would be our adequacy. You, Jesus, are our adequacy. We pray, Father, that by virtue of the sinless life, death, and resurrection of your Son, there is no rejection that can go beyond your acceptance. And we pray, Lord, that you would light within us a fire of urgency. That we would live our lives in such a way that people would even come up to us and ask, man, where did you get lit on fire? How do I get that? Because, Lord, we do deeply desire to see your city, this city, taken for you. If you want prayer for something else, as I say, go, you come, and we'll pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go in peace.